Spiritual Coaching Podcast. We're teaching spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. Welcome. The goal of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those whose God-given mission is to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're training warriors to fight for the human heart. Our spiritual coaching is driven by a singular belief that every wound in our heart that's left untouched by God will hinder how deeply we can know Him and how fully we can follow Him. Only healthy hearts are free to develop a relationship with God that outlasts the pressures of life and every unworthy claim for our loyalty and devotion. In our first installment of this podcast, we clarified just what spiritual maturity is and is not so that we're all working toward the same end. In this episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we'll ask and answer the vital question that every spiritual coach needs to have an answer for. And that question is, is victory over sin possible? Let's dive right in. Uh, Now, before we get too far into the work of spiritual coaching, we do need to settle this question. Uh, And that question is whether or not we can expect to have victory over sin. Uh, This question is important for a spiritual coach to wrestle with before becoming a coach. Uh, What you believe will obviously dictate how you coach, either towards lasting victory or towards sin management techniques that inevitably end in more defeat. I remember several years ago, sitting around a table in a church environment, uh, there were a couple professional counselors at the table, a couple pastors, and a few others who served in the church's um, counseling ministry. One of the professionals was a little more secular than Christian. Uh, there were a therapist who was a Christian, not a Christian counselor. For some, their secular training had tainted and watered down their belief in what we could expect for Christians. They came right out and said that in some situations, and for some people, the best we can hope is to manage the problem and not overcome it. Some wounds are so deep, they claimed, and some addictions so strong, they'll never be healed. Um, that they, they claimed that a person could be so broken, so severely broken, that we really can't expect too much for them. I sat there in stunned disbelief, saying nothing for several minutes. When I, when I finally came around, I knew that I couldn't just let that idea sink too deeply into others' expectations. If all we have to offer people is hanging on till Jesus comes, uh, don't expect much, and you know Jesus can't heal all wounds and break all bondages, I'm out. This defeatist idea that we can taste little or none of heaven's glory in this life, it's rampant in many churches and many Christians' view of the kingdom. <laughs> no wonder so many struggle to attract non-Christ followers to their God. They offer little more than the same failure, depression, sin, and management techniques that the world's therapists offer. Sure, you can be a part of God's family now, but you can't experience shared victory with Jesus Christ, your elder brother, in the here and now, even though we're supposedly joint heirs with him. Now. Not just later when we die. You know, I, I got a little passion about the whole thing, and, and yeah, I got little agreement from others in the room. <laughs> Maybe I was a little more rude about it than I care to remember. Uh, so let, let's hit this core belief. This core belief Uh, that should drive the work and expectations of every spiritual coach is that, yes, we can have victory over sin. Yes, we can have victory over sin. The fear that this belief will lead some to conclude that we can come to a place where we no longer sin keeps them from teaching this truth too aggressively, if at all. 
Some have strayed so far away from the issue that they're forced to settle for much less than Christ and Calvary has to offer. Living in fear is dangerous because it leads to excluding things that could benefit. Fear concludes that the way to avoid danger is to keep away from anything that even hints of association with it. The guilt by association is often used in direct proportion to how fearful we are. The more worried we are, the more destructive or evil the dreaded scenario is, the more sweeping the disassociation. So the clear teaching that we're no longer slaves to sin is kept hidden, and people keep accepting what they feel is inevitable, sin and defeat, because their fear that some will conclude we can stop sinning altogether is stronger than their trust in God. But the gospel was not meant to be hidden. So let me start at the beginning by laying out the apparent contradiction in Scripture. First, we're going to begin with a clear teaching that we indeed cannot expect what we call sinless perfection. That simply means that we, uh, the idea of sinless perfection is that, yes, we can stop sinning on this side of heaven. Um, that's a lie. First John handles that question quite well uh, in chapter 1 and verses 8 through 10. We read, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But... If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Now, that doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Anyone who claims they no longer sin calls God a liar and has made a clean break from truth. So, if we shouldn't claim we have no sin, how can we say that we can have victory over sin's power? Romans 6 handles that question. I'm going to read a collection of verses from Romans 6 where we, we find these words. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. So that sin might lose its power over our lives, we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The truth that in Christ the old self is gone and we're remade into new creations supports the statement. The old self having died in Christ, we no longer live, and instead now Christ lives in us. We put off the old, like, you know, taking off some old stained clothes, and we put on new, uh, a new recreated self capable of living in righteousness and holiness. The show notes have a whole bunch of references that um, uh, support what I just said there. It's very clear, okay, uh, the, that the teaching uh, is that familiar sins do not have to be present in our lives as a normal occurrence. They will be if we let them, but we don't have to let them. We're only human doesn't have to mean we have to live in defeat to the same sin over and over. We're not mere humans. We've been made partakers of the divine nature. Somehow, we share God's nature with him, and that means we also share his victory over sin, Satan, and even death as well. That should change things dramatically. A sinful response to life can and should be the exception, and holiness the norm. A sinful response to life can and should be the exception, and holiness the norm. Jesus is our victory, and he lives in us and is ready, willing, and able to conquer sin, and will do so if we let him. 
Christ's victory is a complete victory. It is our victory, and therefore our experience should be one of victory. Now, if you haven't picked it up yet, what I'm doing is I'm making an important distinction between random sins and enslavement to the same sin over and over. There's a difference between sinning and sins that have power over us. A, stin a distinction between freedom and slavery. The first John passage I read addresses unexpected temptations and the various sins that pop up, catch us off guard, hit us when we're tired and otherwise vulnerable, and lead to a defeat in the face of their well-timed attack. Romans 6, on the other hand, addresses those temptations that take us down over and over. That's what the idea of slavery to that sin expresses there. These are sins that lead to defeat just about every time the opportunity to sin comes at us. It makes it clear in Romans 6 that in Christ we do not have to live that way anymore as children of God. I say, for the purposes of clarity, that victory is when we choose to please God, you know, eight or nine times out of ten. And then I didn't say ten times out of ten, because 1 John tells us we should not expect that we will never sin. It makes it clear that we can't expect to live without sin in our lives. So, defeating it ten out of ten times, well, that might not happen. Defeat is when we give in to the same sin over and over. Four, five, six times out of ten or more. Because we're human... We have to always leave room for occasional sin. Because we're in Christ, we have to reject repeated, regular defeats to familiar sin. Let me repeat that. Because we're um, humans, we always have to leave room for occasional sins. Because we're in Christ, we have to reject repeated, regular defeats to familiar sin. Defeat is when we find our stuff, ourselves stuck in a fatalistic cycle of you know, sin and feel bad and confess it and seriously desire to prevail. And then we sin and feel bad and confess it and seriously desire to prevail. And we sin and feel bad, confess it, and seriously desire to prevail. I think you get the picture. Everyone will find that when they're stressed, tired, emotionally wounded or exhausted or in some way distracted, that our lack of vigilance and vulnerability leads to sin. But we should not expect defeat to a familiar sin over and over as part of the Christian experience. Okay, we should not expect uh, or, or accept defeat to a familiar sin over and over as part of the Christian experience. You know, there's always new ground to, to take, but awareness of a cycle of defeat should lead to steps to victory and not to discouragement and acceptance of defeat. Once we've been made aware by the Spirit of God that there is another area of defeat that we need to step out of, we should work towards victory. We should expect that God is ready to deliver us from an exodus-like slavery to an evil taskmaster. And I intentionally use the story of Israel when I mentioned exodus to highlight the fact that agreement with a defeat cycle becomes sympathy with sin. Uh, you know, for the Israelites, when the slightest resistance was met, they quickly forgot all God did to get them out of their Egyptian slavery, and they were ready to slip right back into that bondage. They clearly had made peace with slavery. If I were to put words in their mouths, it would sound something like, uh, you know, get us out of slavery if it costs us nothing. Otherwise, leave us alone in our slavery that we become comfortable with. When we roll over and play dead, accepting defeat, we make friends with sin. We begin to find ways to accept it, to explain its presence, to welcome it into our decision process, and to feed or coddle it, and to let it roam free. If you're asking yourself, what is this sympathy he's talking about? Be patient. I will deal with that at some length, again, in an upcoming podcast. 
for the remainder of these podcasts, um, I'm going to operate out of the belief that sinlessness is not possible, but victory over nagging sin is. Okay? Uh, from this point forward, you need to remember that I am operating out of the belief that sinlessness, that sinlessness is not possible, but victory over nagging sin is. This is important because until it has been confessed and corrected, sin hurts our relationship with God. We want to encourage those we coach to deal with their sin ruthlessly and swiftly as soon as they're made aware by God that it's present in their life. If they don't, their relational connection with God suffers. Uh, that's another way of saying that their spiritual life and light will dim. Their spiritual growth will slow and possibly stall. And their quest to know God deeply and follow Him fully will be put on hold until there's confession and repentance. Uh, repentance is simply a change of thinking that brings a reversal of actions. And a few podcasts down the road, again, I'll unpack the idea of holiness. For now, remember that God calls us to be holy. That's because He is holy and our relationship with Him counts on us being like Him so we can connect with Him. Perfection is impossible. Victory is not just possible. It's as sure as God is King of Kings and Lord of all Lords. Again, perfection is impossible. Victory is not just possible. It's as sure as God is King of all Kings and Lord of all Lords. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we'll move on from this claim that victory is possible to a description of what victory is, what it looks like, what we're expecting when we say that we can have victory over sin. Thank you. We're honored that you've taken the time to give us a listen as we teach spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. If you'd like to contact Pastor Kara to ask a question, give feedback, or sign up for coaching, you have two options. First, you can visit our coaching website by going to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching. Be sure to hyphenate life coaching. When there, just click the button in the blue banner. On that page, you'll also find free tools to use in your spiritual coaching practice. Additionally, you will find a link to a blog where you can get a transcript of today's show, filled with Bible references and other content not mentioned on the podcast. Second, you can email Pastor Carrie directly at carrie at tworivers.church. That's carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, at two, T-W-O, rivers.church. If this content was helpful, please jump over to iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for the Spiritual Coaching Podcast and give us a like and share the podcast so that more people like yourself can find us. Again, thank you, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Mm-hmm.